Today we continue our series in favorite text. Today I think uh, is one uh, that is a favorite text for many, uh, not even just of the church, maybe even of the culture, of the world, and maybe they don't under, understand fully what it means, but they quote it often, sing of it often, and if you are engaged in pop culture like me, you'll recognize that even some of the rappers out there like this particular text. No one is laughing. It must be an inside joke with just me. Anyway, advertising uh, is a billion dollar industry. That probably is an understatement at this point. Right? There are companies, there are organizations, there are uh, CEOs out there that recognize that uh, there's an opportunity to be had with the consumers in America, right? That if they can create a brand, they can sell you, that, that at least you're excited about, they can what? Sell you a product or a service. They can make money off of you, right? And so uh, much of this marketing is driven by images. And so they go to great lengths. They spend tons of money to create an image that's associated with their product or their service. Was it Coke, this Olympics, that attached drinking Coke with a what? Gold medal. Am I missing? The, am I, is that the right company? Now, many of us are like, wow, that's so cool. And then like, you start to think for a minute, you're like, that's not winning a gold medal. That's kind of silly. But that's what they do. They come up with an image of of winning, of victory, of success, an achievement that's attached to just simply taking a sip of a Coca-Cola. It's kind of silly. But it works, right? People begin to buy. Their behavior is motivated uh, by their perception of a particular product or service like Coke. Right? It, it actually works. They make a ton of money off of us based on that. See, the image that we have of a particular product uh, creates a response to it. So if we see something and go, no thanks, we're not going to buy it. If we see it and say, yeah, that's exciting, I can get behind that, I, I value what that company is putting forth, right? There's a connection there, so I'm in. It's very powerful manipulation, actually, uh, of attaching an image to a product. The, the image that we have uh, determines our response to it. It is not so different at all in how we relate to God. Each and every one of us has an image of God. And that image has a profound impact on the way we respond to our God. Our view of Him. Right? Dictates or motivates a particular response. And I think many of us, I know culture for sure, has a very distorted image of God. Some people would see him as kind of a grandfather in the sky. That is, the guy looks like a glorified Santa Claus that basically gives us everything we want. Or a genie in a bottle that if we just do the right things or say the right things, then God will give us what we want. Some of us have the image of a very grumpy, absent, 
uh, just just um, frustrated kind of dad, right? He's mad at me. He doesn't love me. He's frustrated with me. He's not really interested at all in my life. And so, based on those images of God, people begin to respond in kind. Does that make sense? So our image of God determines our response to God. Today, we are going to take a look at a dominant image in the Scriptures. One very poignant uh, expression of that is in Psalm 23. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. David, the author of this psalm, is going to give us an image of God that is true. And it is my hope that the Lord will shape a true view of Himself. That through the pen of David, as he puts these words down, long time ago, and yet it still has profound and and, uh, relevance for us today, that's the nature of the Word of God, that God will reveal Himself personally and truly, who He really is, to each and every one of us, so that we might have a true, accurate, appropriate response to who He is. Psalm chapter 23. The famous passage in all of the Bible. Maybe John 3.16. Maybe. Thanks to the camera in NFL games where the guy's holding up and reminding all of the world. But Psalm 23 is one read far and wide at weddings and funerals and gravesides and quoted in songs, even in popular culture. Psalm 23. Listen to what the Word of the Lord says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the Word of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, my wife knows this, uh, you know, firsthand. 
But, you know, I don't know what you're thinking uh, about me. I don't know what image you have of me. But let me be very clear. I am not in any way, shape, or form an English expert. A lot of ain'ts coming out of this mouth. Just saying. So I think it's important that maybe, uh, maybe some of you are like me. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm alone. We might need to do just a quick little grammar, little English, little, little ELA. How do you like this, Dorian? You like this? Okay. Do you know what a simile is? Okay, I learned this week. Do you know what a metaphor is? Just yesterday. A simile is an indirect way of comparing two things using the words like or as. Anyone following me? Anyone taking notes? It would be like saying this, for example. This sermon is about as entertaining as standing in line at the DMV. Some of you finally said amen. I've been trying for years to get you to do so. Right? Use the word as. A metaphor similar, but a little different. You're not using like or as. I've heard this uttered at renovation countless times. That sermon was a marathon. But it, I think I have humor on a different level than everybody else. Right? You see the difference, right? You see, when David starts in verse 1, he's being very direct. He's giving us a metaphor that reveals the very person and nature of God. The Lord is my, say it with me, shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And you begin to wonder where did David probably come up with such a metaphor to describe the Lord, who He is. This dominant metaphor that's throughout all of the Scriptures, from beginning to end, this idea that the Lord is a shepherd over His people. You can imagine David being a shepherd himself, being in charge of his father's flocks, watching over them, leading them from green pasture to green pasture, fighting off lions and wolves, anything that would come to cause it danger, fighting them off, protecting them, providing for their every need, being there constantly, knowing the differences in the facial structures and probably naming them, just watching over them, guiding them, feeding them, leading them, ensuring their safety, walking through valleys and along cliffs and around dangerous curves in different elevations, dealing with daylight and nightfall. You could imagine all of a sudden as David is looking at how he is watching over his father's flocks, and then looking back at his own life and understanding the God that he worships, that all of a sudden, like a tidal wave, it hits him. 
this is the Lord as he relates to me. Just the way I've led these sheep of my father through danger and cared for and nurtured and fed and protected these sheep. This is indeed the way the Lord has related to me. And I wonder if you could, in that moment, maybe look back on your own life and consider what has kept you, what has protected you, what has fed you, what has been there with you. Has it not been the Lord God Himself? A shepherd caring over you as His sheep. A powerful metaphor to describe and give us an image of the God of the Bible. He is a God that is a shepherd who watches over His people as His very own sheep. And I love the way he says it. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He makes me. He leads me. He restores my. You are with me. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me. This is a very personal, close, intimate connection with God. That's the kind of shepherd that He is. When the Lord is your shepherd, He is not distant and far and disengaged with who you are and the very aspect and details of your lives. When David says the Lord is my shepherd, he is communicating a very personal, intimate, close union with God. That's what it means to be in relationship with the God of the Bible. Not a distant God, but a close God who is shepherding and is present and is involved and cares about all the details and struggles and victories. Every single aspect of your life is His concern. The Lord is my shepherd. What a powerful thing to consider. Man, to know that God is personal and close and available and careful. That has a profound impact on the way we would respond to Him, does it not? That may come into conflict with the very image that you have of who He is. And the way that you Posture yourself and spend your days in relationship to Him. He is a personal God. I hear people ask all the time. I'm kind of a make connections with people. Like, hey, do you know so-and-so? Hey, you know, oh yeah. Always kind of doing this. Kind of how I organize my world is, do you know so-and-so? Oh yeah, me too. Oh, cool. Like that may not have any bearing on anything for anyone. But just, hey. But oftentimes you get in a conversation like that and people say, yeah, I don't know him, but I know of him. You know the difference, right? See, for so many of us, we know of God. That is, we may be friends with God on Facebook, if you will. We may 
see and hear of things that he is doing in the world. And we may be more or less willing to click the like button. But all of that is some sort of facade that puts on the air that we know God himself. But in all reality, we may just be liking him on his Facebook page and have absolutely no personal connection with God at all. Do you know that the Lord is your shepherd? That to have relationship with the living God is to be united to Him, to know Him, not just know of Him. See, God is not meant to be a friend of a friend. Amen? God is meant to be your shepherd. When you know that God, when you know the God of the Bible, when you consider your days, your life, your experiences, when you look back or you look forward, you come to the realization that everything that has brought you where you are is a direct effect of being in a kind of relationship whereby He is personally associated and united to you, who you are. We can't think enough about these things. When we talk about salvation, when we talk about religion, quote-unquote, we're not talking about a list of five things to do that kind of keep you close enough to God. We're talking about having an intimate, connected, covenantal connection with Jesus. For He is your shepherd. For His life is your life. Think on that. That's the kind of God that David presents to us. Personal association. God is calling you to Himself. He's calling you to Himself. Amen? Not only that, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he's also telling us the kind of response that is appropriate for someone who recognizes who the Lord is. When the Lord is your shepherd, you don't need anything else. That's a profound truth in America. When the Lord is your shepherd, you have absolutely everything that you need. There is nothing more that is necessary for you to have all that is good for joy, for satisfaction, and for life. Man, that just hits face to face, head on, with American society, doesn't it? Because we live in a world driven by marketing, where people tell us, man, if you just had this, then you would be happy. You just need a little bit more. Man, this is coming directly into some of my deepest sins. Some of you following with me? You tracking today? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you have Jesus, if you have that personal connection to Jesus, there is absolutely nothing else that you need for joy and satisfaction. You have it all in Jesus. And really, that is the gift of the gospel. Jesus gives you Jesus when you place your faith in Him. Jesus is not a means to get something else from Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 
For Christ died the righteous for the unrighteous. What? To bring us to God. God is the means to Himself the end. Jesus is both the way and the end. And so if we have Jesus, if we're in relationship with the Lord as our shepherd, there's absolutely nothing more that we need. You see, I don't know about you, but I live with it if I only had. You guys live with that? Well, if I only had 500 more dollars a month, if I only had two weeks more vacation, if I only had a 12 by 36 shed, if I only had a lawnmower that rotates on a dime. If I only had a friend. If I only had a smartphone. Some of you young teens are so mad at me right now. They're like, nah, man, I got one. What you talking about? If I only had, then I would be satisfied. You see, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, reveals our deepest sins. And yet it redeems us, it reminds us, because we get so caught up in American culture that says more, 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 you just need a little bit more. And the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. That comes face to face to us who struggle with materialism, who struggle with the need to enjoy the benefits and blessings of American culture, fewy. But it also comes face to face with those who have a misery complex that I don't have anything. All I have is God. Someone say, Amen. If all you have is God, you've got all you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And so when we know the Lord is our shepherd, it breeds contentment. To our dissatisfied soul. Some of your souls are so empty. And the reason is, is because we try so hard to fill it with something else other than the simple reality that the Lord is my shepherd. And until He is enough, nothing will be enough. You will always be like, yeah, but if I only had, if we could just... But the wonderful truth of the gospel is that if you have Christ, if the Lord is your shepherd, you have everything you need. It brings contentment to the dissatisfied soul. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says in a way that only Charles Spurgeon says. Have you anything else you could trust to? Have you one good work that you could rely upon? Is there a prayer you have ever offered, an emotion you have ever felt, that you would dare to use as a buttress? Or is in some degree a prop to your hope of salvation? I know your reply. I have nothing, 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 nothing. But Christ my Savior is all my salvation and all my desire, and I abhor the very idea of putting anything side by side with Him as a ground of my dependence before God. Oh then, assuredly, you have the mark of Christ's sheep. For to all of them, 
Christ is all. Christ is all for us. He is all to us. He is all in us. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Knowing the Lord as your shepherd brings contentment to your dissatisfied soul. Think on this. Is the Lord enough? Has the Lord not been enough? David tells us that He is. Amen? And then you begin to see as the passage goes on how David could say that he has all that he needs in this relationship with the Lord as his shepherd. How could he make such a claim? Doesn't he understand what we deal with? Doesn't, doesn't he understand the 9 to 5? Doesn't he understand Monday mornings? Does he have any clue of the circumstantial difficulties and stresses that I'm facing? Doesn't he know my inner turmoil? How could he make such a statement? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have every single thing that I need. Well, look. Who the Lord is provides contentment, but it's rooted in what the Lord does as well. Who is the subject of every verse that comes after? The Lord. He makes me. He leads me. He restores me. He leads me. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, comfort me. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head. That there is in the being of God as shepherd, the doing of God. That He has a good reason to rest in the person of God. Look at what we see. The Lord your shepherd leads you where you need to go. So often, we just don't know what to do next. We don't know where to go. We feel like life is this endless journey of choices, of constant, what should I do? This way and that way. We don't have the sovereign foresight to see where every decision and every choice leads us in 5, 10, 15 years. We're just stuck in the moment with a this, that, or maybe this. In each step of the way, we're trying to figure out and discern which way to go. And sometimes, in our sin, our internal GPS will lead us down a particular path. And he's saying this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You see, the shepherd is always leading the sheep where they need to go. So if you are a sheep of the Lord, He is always leading you every single step of the way in every circumstance of life. That is assurance that I know many of you in this room need to hear today. You don't know where you're headed. There's uncertainty and vulnerability in the moment. But we can be rest assured that as a sheep of the Lord, under the care of Him as our shepherd, we are being led Every single step of the way. Because He knows the way we are to go. He has that kind of sovereign oversight over the totality of our life. 
to make sure we're going where he would have us go. That's the Lord, our shepherd. And you think to yourself, how have I gotten to the place I am today? Well, if you know the Lord as your shepherd, you know the answer to the question. The Lord brought you here. The Lord has carried you here. And we can know as we look into the future, as anxieties may well up in our soul, I don't know where I'm headed. There may be truth to that when you think about the details and the circumstances and maybe even the places. But we can stand on solid footing that no matter where we end up, the Lord would have led us there. Amen. You see, even in that statement, we realize that knowing the Lord is our shepherd does not just bring uh, uh, contentment to the dissatisfied soul, but the knowing the Lord is our shepherd also brings peace to the anxious heart. If that's not enough, you continue to look. You see that the Lord, our shepherd, restores us. Listen to that. I love that. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Men, in the midst of working hard, women, in the midst of your careers, in the midst of parenting, in the midst of managing life, man, we can easily come to the end of ourselves and feel the weight of just comprehensive exhaustion, longing for Sabbath, for rest, for respite in the midst of our journey. And in the midst of that exhaustion, we have some typical places that we like to go. And with football season coming, I need this reminder as well. TV, football. No amens for football? Football. Netflix. Hulu. They're like, Hulu's so 1992, man. Hulu. Music. Just need some time alone. Just need some time away. Just need to disengage. See, this is what we do because we're limited people. We run to something to deal with our inability to deal with everything always. We always run to something for restoration. It can be planning that big vacation. I just need to get away. I've been away enough times to know that getting away solves absolutely nothing to restore my soul. So, if you're in the room and you think, man, if I could just get away, then I'll feel better. Guess what? You won't. If I could just watch TV and watch football, catch reruns of The Office, Seinfeld, I could just disengage for just 20 minutes, then I'll feel better. If I could just look on Facebook for seven straight hours, some of you are laughing because you did that yesterday, then then I would feel restored in my soul. You see, we crave peace. We crave a deposit of the divine to bring us back, to restore us, but we don't get it anywhere else, but we do get it from the shepherd. We do get it from seeking the shepherd. He restores my soul. David knows that. Do you? Do you know that it is the shepherd that restores the soul? He who made the soul is the one that sustains it. Amen? Lord is my shepherd. 
I could say I have everything I need because He restores our soul. Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you need rest, if you need soul restoration, you need Christ. And guess what? He's calling you now to Himself. The Lord is your shepherd. Trust in Him. Bring your anxieties to Him. Bring your exhaustion to Him. He hears it. He loves it. He pours out His mercy. And as your shepherd, He is constantly dispensing the necessary grace to restore you. He provides for everything that we need. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Leaves me beside still waters. Eating, drinking. Every night at dinner, we pray for our meal. I don't know about you, but I'm not always in that state of praise the Lord for our food. Usually I'm in, you people just sit down. Let's pray. Come on, you've been there. You are there. Let's pray. But you know what? Every time I'm in that state, six days a week, even the fact that we are decisively praying, is a, it's a mechanism to remind us that in the mess of our lives, this is the truth that God is providing everything. Right? It's, the Lord is my shepherd. That's what we're saying every meal. He leads me beside still waters. He, he, he leads me in green pastures. He's feeding me. He's providing for me. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is our provider. That's what a shepherd does. He provides all that is necessary of substance for the sheep. If you're wondering financially, how are we going to make ends meet? If you're wondering, how will this happen? The anxiety of just simply making ends meet is in your heart. And maybe you've even said, you know, I, I can't give anymore. I can't share anymore because all my, and you're seeing that start to happen and you're hoarding more because of fear. And you don't feel the, 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 the quick response that Christians have to the gospel. Say, well, if Jesus gave me everything, I can give everything. If you're already feeling that pull back, hoard. I'm not talking about spending. I'm talking about giving. Some of us need to pull back our spending. There's our anxiety issue. But you even feel that, well, well I've I, I got to do this. I've, I've got to provide, so I, I'm going to stop giving. I'm going to stop sharing resources that God has given to me. That's a rejection of the Lord as your shepherd. You see, the person who sees the Lord as their shepherd goes, wait, wait, the Lord is my shepherd. Even though this temporal difficulty, and I don't really know how the math is all going to work out, I'm going to continue to trust in the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to continue to give to other people and their needs. I'm going to continue to contribute to the mission of God through the local church. I'm not going to stop because the Lord is my shepherd. He's with us. Your rod, your staff, your comfort me. He's hosting us at his table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The Lord is our shepherd. 
right? That knowing him as such breeds contentment. Also brings peace in the midst of anxiety. And lastly, as I try to wrap things up here, look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, when the Lord is our shepherd, He's always our shepherd. If the Lord has led us this far, the Lord will lead us home. The Lord's not in and out of shepherding. He's not in and out of availability. He doesn't start watching over your life and then remove Himself from that. Even in the midst of our struggles and sins and poor stewarding and decisions, even in the midst of that, He is committed to His sheep. Surely, on the basis of what He has done. Right? Because past behavior is indicative of future behavior. In God. He's not changing. When he makes a commitment, I'm going to watch over that sheep. Guess what? He is watching over that sheep throughout all eternity. And we can look back on our lives and say, yeah, the Lord has brought us thus far. But in the midst of anxiety or in the midst of confusion, we may conclude, but, but I, don't, I don't know if the Lord is going to lead me through this. I don't know if he has enough love and commitment and mercy to me to bring me all the way home because I'm feeling tired, I'm starting to doubt, I'm kind of frustrated with life, and I don't think He's going to bring me home. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And you read this, David is confident and bold. He's saying, surely, I am rest assured that this kind of goodness and mercy, God, goodness and mercy, God Himself, is going to follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That He will continue to provide. He will continue to be there with me. He will continue to watch over me. He will protect me from all my enemies. He will continue to cause my cup to overflow with His love and mercy for all of eternity. We have hope, people. In the midst of a world that has a shaky economy and a terrorism network that is exploding all throughout the world. And I begin to think about your lives specifically. Knowing the Lord is our shepherd brings hope to the discouraged. It brings contentment to the dissatisfied. It brings peace to the anxious. But knowing the Lord is our shepherd, guess what? It brings hope to the discouraged, to the hopeless heart, who's not sure if things are going to work out in the long run. Each and every week I stand in the back after preaching or maybe after a communion and I see and I look at specific lives and I'm astounded each and every week as I think about the specific situations in your life that you're dealing with. And I know Jer and Tim feel the same way. Aware of your, your, the things that you face. The marital difficulties. The financial setbacks. The changes in family structure. Medical. Medical concerns. The, vol, 
the, the frailty and the vulnerability of human life. You see it in the news all the time. Parenting struggles. You're just pulling your hair out. How are we going to figure this out? And also just sin. Pornography. A lack of pursuit of God. Desiring of other things. Overspending. Undergiving. Refusal to forgive. Bitterness in soul. We are well aware and prayerful concerning your needs. But really, it's the shepherd that is well aware and concerned and relating toward his sheep in a way that provides great hope that no matter what you're wrestling with, no matter what you're walking through, God will cause His goodness and His mercy to follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hope. The Lord is our shepherd gives us contentment, gives us peace. And man, does it give us an unshakable hope that no one can steal from us. No circumstance can derail. Amen? I don't need to tell you why this is my, one of my favorite texts. But I will anyway. It tells us who God is, really. He's our shepherd. For all of you who have placed your faith and your hope in Christ and His death and resurrection... If you've been united to Him in that, you see His sufficiency and His beauty and His wonder, and you rely upon Him and Him alone, guess what? The Lord is your shepherd. That's who He is. If you're wondering, for, if you're looking for an image of God to latch onto, let it be that one. The Lord is my shepherd. He looks after me. He leads me. He guides me. And that kind of reassurance in this passage causes me to respond very differently to life. Contentment battles the deepest sin of more, more, more in my heart. Peace battles another deep one of anxiety, fear. And third, hope. Because I don't know about you, I find myself easily living in Syracuse thinking that nothing is going to go right ever. Hopeless. But this passage reveals the true nature of God. And it calls us to respond the right way based on who He is. Knowing the Lord is your shepherd brings contentment. It brings peace. And it brings us hope. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Lord, You are our shepherd. 
In you, we have everything that we need. We confess to you that so often we love you, but we need something more. We confess as well that we look at our lives through the lens of the temporary. Such a small view we have. But it's you that are watching over us every step of the way. Confess our discouragement at times. And yet today we see that in you we have all we need. That we have nothing to fear. That our greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death, have been defeated through Christ. We have now such a peace in you. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that has never known the Lord for who He really is, nor responded as such, that they would see you Jesus, that you are the good shepherd. You laid down your life for the sheep. This charge you received from your Father, that it was in the heart of God to save people from their sins and from Satan and from death. I pray that they would see you in all of your glory in these short verses, in the most popular chapter in all of the Bible, least well known. And I would pray that the floodgates of heaven and the power of the Spirit would fill them and they would run to you for the first time and forever as your shepherd. As their shepherd. God, only you can cause this. Bring more into your sheepfold, we pray. Enlarge your flock in this room this community and this world. You are our shepherd. In you we have everything that we need. All God's people said.